0: Okay, so this evening we take up what is technically our third installment in a continuing series on the question of um, the question of Israel reconsidered, uh, and we began this study three, well, it's been longer than three weeks ago, and I mentioned then, and I remind you all now, that this has been occasioned both by our study in the current study in the Gospel of John, but also In recent news events, where there's been this continue, it's been this way since 1948, but especially in recent months, with the Hamas-Israel conflict and the killing of many many people, um, many Palestinian Christians have died, um, Jews have died. So, uh, once again, it it comes to the forefront. What about the Jews? What about Israel? What are we to think of all this? So we we talked about this um, the first time, and I sort of laid the groundwork for the understanding that we hold to the partial preterist interpretation of New Testament prophetic statements and events that sees the generation period from AD 30 to AD 70 as the crucial time frame that Jesus referred to in the various statements about, you shall not have gone through the cities of Israel before you see the Son of Man come, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled go to to Samaria and Judea and the farthest reaches and proclaim the message of the kingdom. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, But all of this, we believe, based on the text of Scripture, are fulfilled and subsumed in the time period between A.D. 30 and 70. Let me be clear about two things. We do not believe that the Second Coming was fulfilled in that time. Uh, We are partial preterists. We are not hyper-preterists. So we believe that the final advent is yet to come, and so um, we want to make that clear. The second thing is, I remind you that I am keying off on these uh, studies in the excellent article by Dr. James B. Jordan, theologian and Bible scholar, uh, lately of the Theopolis Institute, and his article, The Future of Israel Re-Examined, which is available online, and uh, you can certainly find it and read it. I can point you to where you can get it. And uh, let me just also add one more thing. Um, The Bonson Bonson Institute, where the audios and videos and also the written uh, articles and essays by our late friend Dr. Greg Bonson uh, has recently posted an essay by Dr. Bonson on the topic of the future of Israel regarding Romans 11, another key point that got us started in this discussion. He takes a slightly different view than I do, very similar to Dr. Gentry. And I encourage you to read what Dr. Bonson wrote. You can see where he and I differed. You can see where he's, you may think he's more correct than me or vice versa, whatever the case may be. So I encourage you to read Dr. Bonson's article on the Bonson Institute website. So now we've talked about the the fact that what Paul talks about in Romans 11, that there will be uh, a a conversion of the Jews in, in the last days, which dispensationalists, traditional um, Puritan reform people push that off into the distant future, we believe that this was accomplished in the time frame between A.D. 30 and A.D. 70. (laughs) Again, let me qualify this. I say, I'm believing this. I believe this is what it said. Dr. Jordan says this. There are others uh, you may not. So I, I, I think this is worth considering. So I've presented this information about a preterist understanding of that time frame that Paul talks about in Romans 9, 10, and 11. But now also, we've talked about then who were the Jews, and then now we're going to take up the subject of what are the Jews, who are the Jews today, what are the modern Jews? And again, just to very quickly recap, we talked about how that the people who came to be known as Jews in the time of Jesus and Paul uh, were a mixed multitude of people, that going back all the way to the beginning of Abraham... Um, the ethnic component of who constituted a Jew was was there until the time of Jesus, but it was a, a minor point because all along the way, the nation of Israel was being enlarged by converts and people who were not originally blood related to Abraham or his family. So then, uh, the Jews of Jesus' day, who were the Jews, you know, they were a mixed multitude of people who were bound together by a covenant. Um we have seen that our studies in the Gospel of John have raised this issue about, well, okay, there's something taking place here since all of the followers of Jesus in the early days were people who were, quote, Jews, but now all of a sudden we find people in the Gospel of John who are also called Jews who violently and pointedly deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and will not have this man rule over us, to quote the leaders of the Jews in particular. So, with the coming of Jesus, something has happened. A major change has taken place. And what becomes now, after the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension, and after the events of AD 70 and the destruction of the temple, the Jews of today, who are they? Well, modern Jews, and here we launch into the study, they are people who deny that Jesus of Nazareth was or is the divine son of God incarnate, the Messiah. That is the main defining characteristic of a person who calls himself a Jew. He was not the divine son of God incarnate. He was not the Messiah. Depending on who you talk to among them, they won't even give him the status of being a prophet. Uh, the Muslims, by contrast, do. The Muslims have a separate set of problems, but they do afford Jesus the title of a prophet. But now, modern Jews, they also are people who simply choose to think of themselves as descendants of the Israelites. And to stick with Dr. Jordan's analysis of this, uh, he points out that most modern Jews are not even Semites. You know, we hear this term bandied around a lot today, anti-Semitic, anti-Semite. You know, a, a Semite it was a person within a certain language group. Now, it's come to almost exclusively referred to Jews, but historically, The word does not define a Jew. It defines somebody who speaks a Semitic language. So that would include not only people of the Israelite stock, but also Arabs um, and other people in that part of the Middle East. But most modern Jews are not Semites. They are descended from Eastern European tribes, many that converted to Judaism in the Middle Ages. And I've said this before, I repeat it, if you go to the modern state of Israel, where there are Jews of all stripes, you will see Semitic Jews, people from the. There's a large population of Jews from the country of Yemen, Yemeni Jews. And they are very clearly look different than the Jews who predominate in Jerusalem and many of the other surrounding areas and who run the government, frankly. They are descendants of Eastern European tribes that converted to Judaism in the Middle Ages. Modern Jews do not worship the God of the Bible of course, they claim differently. They claim we're the ones who are uh, false, but there again, that's this cleavage between what a Jew is today and what was a Jew in the time of Jesus. But today, the Jews do not worship the God of the Old Testament. Um, they are either secular humanists or they are believers in the Talmudic tradition, and the Talmud really has no more relationship to the Old Testament than does the Quran or the Book of Mormon. There's some similarities. You know, you can read the Book of Mormon, for example, and see that it's almost like reading the King James Bible, and it lists major parts of it out. Uh, and the same for the Quran. When the Quran was composed, uh, the the Old Testament and the New Testament were in existence, and Muhammad and the other uh, early founders of Islam were familiar with it. But you see, the same thing is the true of the Talmud. It's, it's no more part of Scripture than the Quran or the Book of Mormon. And like the Quran and like the Book of Mormon, the Talmud... And the teachings and traditions of rabbis that are the interpretation of it, they're designed to aid and to, frankly, reinterpret what we call the Old Testament in such a way that it completely obliterates the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. If you look up Luke 24, verse 27, you'll see there what uh, uh, Jesus had to say about that. Let's turn to that passage, Luke uh, 24, and verse 27. I'll give you just a moment to turn to it while I myself look it up here. Um, Jesus uh, is speaking to the uh, the disciples who encounter him on the road to Emmaus, and he um, it says in very pointed language that uh, let's see, Luke 24 and verse 27. Um, That he began to, when he began to reveal himself to them, they didn't really recognize him at first, and it says that he took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That, of course, is a large part of what we call biblical theology, and the Talmud exists to totally obliterate the speaking in the Older Testament about Jesus. Okay, so the God of Judaism is therefore as false a God as the God of Islam or the God of the Mormons. Now, of the tiny percentage of Israel that had any Abrahamic blood in the time of Jesus in that first century setting, it is possible that all of them either became Christians or they might have been slain and lost their lives in the Jewish revolt that was a part of the AD 70 destruction of the temple. Modern Jews are a separate nation of people with a separate identity, and they're spread out among all places on the earth. And modern Jews think of themselves as Jews, but they are not Jews in the biblical sense. They are counterfeits, frankly. Now, <clears throat> we can get a maybe a little clearer perspective when you consider how this has played out through history. When God called Israel out of Egypt, most of the people refused to follow him and they died in the wilderness. That's the biblical fact, and we read this in the book of Exodus. Um, The old Hebrew people ceased to exist, and they were transformed into the nation of Israel. That, That was their new name. And the Israel that entered into the promised land was a new people made up of a mixture of Hebrews and converted Gentiles, again, a mixed multitude of people. Their leaders were Joshua, who had brought it, been brought into the Mosaic Covenant, but also a converted Gentile, uh, a Kenzite, Kinzi, Kin, uh, by the name of Caleb. And you'll find reference to him in Genesis 15, 19, and Joshua 14, 6. And so the, the wilderness wanderings of the Israelite people lasted 40 years. And by the way, that's also the time frame between A.D. 30 and A.D. 70. Uh, the Jews were called by Jesus and the apostles and many converted, that is, they entered into the new covenant and became a part of the true Israel. But now some of them turned back to the Judaistic religion, and they turned into, uh, at least one faction, apostate Judaizers. And like the apostates in the days of Moses, they died in the wilderness, and metaphorically speaking, the wilderness uh, between 30 and 70 A.D., and meanwhile, many mixed multitude Gentiles actually became part of the true Israel, the kingdom of God. Now, by the time A.D. 70 rolled around, uh, it was time to enter that promised land of the New, new Jerusalem. And the, the old order Jewish people ceased to exist, being transformed into Christians. So that's the new name of what we know as Jew in the Older Testament and the first part of the New Testament. The New Israel are the followers of Jesus, the assembly of Jesus, the synagogue the temple the true israel of god that's who jesus it was and is now you see the same sort of thing happened at the time of the exile if you study the book of ezekiel you'll see that god called his people out of judea into a wilderness of exile and there he tabernacled with them uh, the people were given a choice you either move forward with god or you're going to perish by looking backward to your old ways and during the time of the exile, many Gentiles were converted into the nation. And by the time the exile was over and the people returned to the land, again, the old Israel had ceased to exist. It had been transformed into Jews. and That was their new name. That's why we rarely see the term Israelite in the New Testament. The, the new term has come, and that has been a result both of the Babylonian exile, and the return from that exile, and the transformation that took place in that process, and then the coming of the kingdom in Christ Jesus. At Mount Sinai, all of the people accepted the the, the Mosaic Covenant, but before too long, a large group of the people were objecting to one of the most distinctive features of that Mosaic Covenant. And Dr. Jordan points out in his article that during the times of the patriarchs, any man might want to offer a sacrifice on an altar to Almighty God, but the worship of the tabernacle was by God's design closer to the Lord and therefore holier and it, and was more dangerous in that way. Because if a person approached it unworthily, he might be burned in the fire of God's holiness. Uh, God, But God, um, he forbade all sacrifice, except that conducted at the tabernacle. And that meant that the Hebrew people were no longer permitted to build their own altars and sacrifice on those altars that had been the custom. And it became clear that the people had lost that right, at least it became clear to some of them, and that's the way they saw it. Wait a minute, we've got a right to do this. This is the way we've always done it. We go out and build an altar. And they didn't appreciate what the Mosaic Covenant was being transformed from out of the... uh, the more glorious it was, more glorious than the Abrahamic covenant, and so they rebelled against Jehovah. I said, "Nope, nope, we're, we're going to continue to offer sacrifices in the groves of trees and 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 to the to the various other lesser gods and that sort of thing." And, and that group of people who rebelled, they are parallel by the Juda- Judaizers of the New Testament era. There's a an interesting correspondence between what was going on. At that point in the tabernacle era of the old covenant nation, and then in the new Israel comes, you have these Judaizers who want to keep continue with the old ways. Um, the Judaizers were people who became Christians, but then they realized that the leaders of the community of Christ were changing the rules on them. And, you know, you occasionally read, uh, you'll read in the Bible about Korah's rebellion, K-O-R-A-H is how it's transliterated. Um that was a man and a company of people who accused Moses and Aaron of inventing their own religion. Well, the Judaizers accused Paul of doing the same thing. And just as many of the Israelites in Moses' day wanted to return to Egypt, so the Judaizers wanted to return to Judaism, to this largely Babylonian Talmudic religion. And so this is the falling away to which the New Testament refers to several times. And this too is a part of the uh, proper preteristic understanding of the time frame from AD 30 to AD 70. Jesus talked about this. You, you know, you will hear many false prophets. He warned the apostles in Matthew 24 and uh, Mark 13, uh, Luke 21, and many will fall away, Jesus said. But then he added that qualification, the false prophets, the falling away, the persecutions, all this will take place in this generation. This generation, the generation between eighty thirty and eighty seventy will not pass away till those things are fulfilled. Now, Korah and his followers were uh, executed, and the rebels of Moses' day also died in that forty years in the wilderness. You can read about this in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter sixteen. But now their beliefs, these rebels, they continued to find expression. They continued to bubble up, so to speak. And from the time of the conquest under Joshua to the exile under Nebuchadnezzar, there were many people who insisted on worshiping God in the groves and in the high places. And they insisted that they, and not not these tabernacle temple people, were the true Hebrews. And a lot of this is obscured for us because we we don't take the time to understand what was taking place in that Old Testament era. But those people, these rebels, they insisted that they were the true sons of Abraham and that they that the promised land actually belonged to them. Does that sound familiar? They claimed that they were preserving the old traditions. but the prophets, they said, those men, you know the the, um, uh, the Ezekiels and the Daniels and the Jeremiahs, these are the idolaters who had cor- the, who had been corrupted with paganism. And again, the parallel existed in the New covenant era. The Judaizers and those Jews who would not accept Jesus were killed, at the end of the 40-year wilderness, quote-unquote, wilderness period from A.D. 30 to 70. But their beliefs, just like in the older time, continued to find expression among those people who call themselves Jews who had survived the immolation, the Holocaust of A.D. 30 to 70. There was a group of them. When you read about the early heresies of the Christian church, one of the earliest were a group called the Ebionites, E-B-I-O-N-E. I-T-E-S, Ebionites. Uh, They carried on the heresies of the Judaizers that Paul talks about in his writings, and also the, um, the Talmudic Jews carried on these heresies of the Pharisees. And to this day, they insist that they, and not we who are followers of Christ, are the true Jews. They insist that they are the true sons of Abraham, and that the promised land belongs to them. That's why we have this constant conflict in the so called modern state of Israel. Uh, those people, maybe at heart, some of them understand they don't really deserve that land. And so, through various political and military machinations going back to the early 20th century, frankly, up until the middle of the 20th century, that was the only way they could get the land, was by force. They worship God, they claim, in the same way the Jews of Jesus' day did through the Passover and the synagogue. And this land belongs to us, they say. They claim that they preserve the old ways. But the New Testament and the Christian faith say that they are idolaters and they are the ones who have become corrupted with paganism. They are liars, in other words, when they claim that we are false and they are true. The true sons of Abraham and of the biblical Jews, the descendants of true biblical Jews, are those who accept Christ as King and Lord and the new covenant. See, the true owners of the promised land are those who moved into that new covenant with Jesus and who set aside the Passover and the synagogue for something far better. In AD 70, the Lord removed the, quote, Jews from his land, and he gave the legal title to it to those who would be loyal to him. And the promised land belongs to the sons of Abraham, that is, the followers of Jesus the Christ. And friends, listen to me carefully. The only reason the people who in modern times call themselves Jews are in that land today is because Christians let them be there. And there are a lot of reasons why that happened. And the rise of Schofield dispensationalism was one of the main ones. There were others. But look, here's the bottom line. The people that were called Hebrews ceased to exist when they were transformed into Israelites. And the Israelites ceased to exist when they were transformed into Jews. And then the Jews ceased to exist when they were transformed into Christians. That's the biblical perspective. And you understand when I'm talking about ceased to exist, I mean that as a distinct entity, they, they were transformed into, they morphed into, they became this other thing. You know, it's like when, when a, a person is a child, then they become a young adult, and then they become an adult, and then they became a senior citizen or an elderly person. That child no longer exists. It's been transformed into a young adult. That, that That's sort of the image. The continuing existence of people today calling them themselves Jews and claiming to represent the old order, well, that doesn't change the facts of what I just outlined for you, what Scripture teaches. Calling yourself a Jew does not make you one. And in the biblical sense of the term Jew, there were no longer any Jews after A.D. 70, unless by the phrase true Jews, we mean Christians, the believers in and followers and those who are united by covenant to Christ Jesus. I mean, that the term Jew is no longer used by the true followers of Jesus uh, for obvious reasons. So anyway, that we, we've talked about how the preterist understanding of what Paul talks about in Romans 11 makes the most sense, at least I believe it does. And then we've talked about then who were the Jews in the time of Paul and Jesus and before, and we've recapitulated some of that today. And now we've talked about what about today? What about these people calling themselves Jews today? Who are they and what are we to think of them? Where do they come from? Where where is their place in all this? Um, I've outlined this for you as best I can. We're going to have at least one other um, discussion on this. But as always, I want to stop and see here if you have any questions about what I've said.